The meat of live is Christ. The meat to die is gain. Every moment in between, there'll be joy and there'll be pain. I can't worry about the future or change a thing about my past. I've got this moment to believe and I'm gonna make it last. I am filled to be emptied. This is Pastor Michael Rogers from The Jar at 702 H Street Northeast in Ardmore, Oklahoma. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. We have been working through the questions that we ask ourselves as disciple makers so that we can not only learn how to be good disciples ourselves, but also how to guide and direct others. And we have made it through two of the six questions. The first one is, am I fervently pursuing my faith? The second one, am I invested completely in the mission? And today we're beginning a brand new one that asks, am I learning how God uniquely shaped me? So am I learning how God uniquely shaped me? And what I, I just, God just gave me this, um, this week I was laying in bed often at, right in somewhere between the first snooze and the second, or maybe it's the second and the third. There's always a period there where I'm not fully awake, but I'm not fully asleep. And sometimes God just speaks to me in those moments. And I had this image of Tom the turkey. I don't know if you had this happen to you, but when I was in the first grade, I first had a teacher who for the very first time asked me to place my hand on a plain white sheet of paper and trace around it. And then she taught me how to put two little legs on the ends on the bottoms of this palm and a little, what they call a waddle or the, the, the neck part of the turkey underneath the thumb and on top of the thumb to put a little pilgrim's hat. And then she gave us colored pencils and we colored Tom the turkey in Thanksgiving colors. Anybody else had that happen? Okay. The next year in the second grade, there was a teacher who wanted to do the same thing, but she wanted to save some time because second graders, I mean, you, gotta, you just gotta save time wherever you can, right? And so what she did was she took a big, bold black marker and she traced her handprint. Then she made copies and she gave us those. Now our job was simply just to put the extra stuff on it. Here's the problem that I noticed. When I was in the first grade, and we started with the handprint, and we, we traced that out and everything. By the time we got done with the colored pencils, all I could see was Tom the turkey. In the second grade, when I got done, no matter how much I used those colored pencils, what I saw was the handprint of the marker. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Your Heavenly Father wants you to understand that you have a unique identity in Him. But there are similarities between you and everyone else. So your hand is bigger or smaller, thinner or thicker. There's a lot of difference in the hand. But if you allow him to trace your hand print, and then he lets you see the things that we all need, the legs and the waddle and the hat, he gives you the colored pencils of the fruit of his spirit, love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control to work out a life where by the end of it, what you see is who God made you to be. And it becomes more and more like Christ. 
what we struggle with in the church too often is that in order to help people get to that place, we use a big, bold marker and we make everybody's hand the same. And then we ask them to try to color in and make ourselves unique. And we can't because we can't stop seeing the handprint of the people that told us you have to be like this. God's identity for us is in the handprint. But his way of doing it makes it so that all we see is Jesus in us when we're done. And that's what we're trying to teach you today. So we always start with a considered question. So here is the considered question for today. Am I more like Jesus now than I was last year? That's a tough one, isn't it? That's a hard one. The one we're going to talk about today. We're going to be starting, um, get your fingers ready in your Bibles because we're going to be going to multiple places today. And here's the cool thing. We're actually going through God Eats Popcorn. Yes. Galatians, Ephesians, <laughs> Philippians, Colossians. God Eats Popcorn. That's how you can remember. So when you get there and you find Galatians, we're just going to go one book later each we're time. We're just going to keep going to the right. Just keep going to That's the right. right. Yeah, they didn't have popcorn back then, did they? So that's why God said, I, I want you to know I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love popcorn so much, I'm going to put it into the box. Instead of to the left, to the left, we're going to be going to, <laughs> to the, the right, right, to the right. right. That's right. All right. That's right. So we're going to be in Galatians <laughs> chapter 2. We're going to start in Galatians chapter 2, verses 19 through 21. Follow along with us. It's important yes. that you know that it's not just us making this stuff up. It's actually in there and what we're teaching today and what God is using us to show so if you're in Galatians chapter 2, please say amen. amen. For when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me. So I died to the law. I stopped trying to meet all its requirements so that I might live for God. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. For if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. And so last week we talked about how there's God's law, right? Or what I call the love law. Love laws of God. Yeah. Love laws of God. And there's God's law. And we've all been affected by sin. And there's no way, as we talked about last week, for us to be able to do everything right that's gonna there's no way for us to meet it that's right it's not there's just no our way. sin acts it's also our sin nature it's our nature to be rebellious and disobedient to god mm -hmm. but god has provided us a way right through jesus he jesus became our mediator he became the one that is um speaking on our behalf right and because of that even when we break these love laws jesus is there to cover us Right? And, to, and to meet us there and to guard against those things. And I love what he says. He said, so I died to the law. I stopped trying to meet all its requirements. Why? So that I might live for God. Yeah. My old self has been crucified with Christ. How can our old, selves be our old souls be crucified in Christ? It's because God looks at us as if we died with Christ. When he sees us, he sees our new identity in him. He yes. doesn't see the old Carrie. He sees 
the new Carrie, right? It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body trusting, right? And that word trusting there is living by faith. So the first step, I say yes to Jesus. The second step is I become a new person, a new identity through Christ. And the next step then is to trust, to live by faith. You cannot have faith without trust. Exactly. The two go hand in hand, okay? And the more faith you have, the more you can trust. And that's what we're doing. And we trust in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And then I love how he says in verse 21, I do not treat the grace of God, right? So everything I've just said really is the definition of grace, isn't it? It's wiping away anything that we do wrong on a daily basis. And I don't know about you all, but I am very grateful for that. Mm -hmm. The favor and blessing that God gives us when we put our faith in his son. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And remember that our self-centered way of life ends and our new Christ-centered way of life begins. And this happens when we first believe in Jesus, like I said before. And then we must continually deny our desires and as Luke chapter 9 tells us, take up our cross daily. In other words, you are no longer a slave to sin. We all have sins, which is what? Missing the mark, right? right. We all miss the mark at times. However, we are no longer a slave to it. And we have talked about that multiple times here at the JAR since right. we opened right. seven months ago. Okay? The focus of Christianity is not on dying, but on living. That's right. We've been crucified with Christ. We've been raised with him, receiving new resurrection life. We have an inner power that God gives us. He gives us the Holy Spirit, that inner power through his Holy Spirit. We have a new vision, a new identity, a new way of seeing things. And we have a new community and a new family. And I've had a lot of families in my Christian walk. I think I've shared with you guys I've been a Christian since I was probably two days old. <laughs> No pun intended. Like I was in the church since I was probably two days old. Okay, but I came to Christ when I was eight or nine and then re-came to Christ again um, later on in my life in my 20s when I found my own, own faith yes. Yes. versus the faith that was instilled in me and my parents planted in me. But every time we've gone to a church, there's been a new community and a new family of faith. And I praise God for those people. Some of those people are still inside of my life now, yes, still inside of our, right. you know, and our supporters here of the jar, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, something with telling us that um, you, know, you can go experience like arguing and stuff like that. That that's more my story. Although Carrie did have a time when she walk, kind of walked away from. Um, and she never walked away from her faith, but she walked away from church and from that influence for a while. Uh, but for me, I, my mom believed there was a, is a God. My dad believed that there was something greater than people that you could find. Um, but they never really instilled either one in me. And so my, my experience was to be outside the church for most of my, well, all of my childhood and all of my teenage years. And it wasn't until I was a young adult that I, that I really started to realize that there was something more and that I should be seeking after it. Um, and then uh, it was still a couple of years after that before Christ found me. It's like the, the way I like to say it. Uh, Christ was never lost. I didn't have to find him. Um, I was lost. He had to find me. <laughs> and so that's, that's what this is talking about is the fact that 
that old me, that, that me that was an alcoholic, that me that, was, um, that had all the wrong priorities, that me who didn't understand the value of myself, of women, of life in particular, is, is now dead. It, God crucified that with Christ. And so now, whenever I, that's why I love the way we do baptism now, is we lay back into the water and then we come back up out of the water. And that's almost like being buried with Christ, as it says in Romans 6, and raised to new life. And when that happened to me in my experience, I literally felt like I could feel every single drop of water crossing my face as God cleaned out all of that sin and all of that past. And when I came up out of the water, we happened to be in, it was a kind of, it was a, December and so it was a little chilly in the air and I came out and it was cold and it actually like it made my skin pop like it was fresh like made my skin feel so clean and fresh that it instilled in me this idea that I am now a new creation I'm a new creature there's something new happening in me now now my dad um, is he, he would say I, after he accepted Christ and he went through his process he would say there were still some days where that old man messed with him. And he would call it the dark Irish or the dark man. And he would say, there were just days I wake up and the dark man is with me. Okay, It's one thing to say the dark man is with me. It's another thing to say I am the dark man again. And so I, I appreciate that he had this sense that there was a part of his past that was trying to infringe upon who he is now, but could not change who he is now. He may have a bad day, but he is not a bad dude. And I think that is something that we have to take. In, our, in that whole concept of us uh, recognizing who Jesus is and taking on his identity and recognizing that he is the one who fills us, it's the spirit in us that helps us identify with Jesus. That's right. That's right. That's why I love the idea of baptism. I'm actually falling in love with the idea of baptism being the, or the engagement, like the old-time engagement Back, like back when Jesus was, uh, when when Jesus's parents were engaged to be married, that engagement to the Jews was way more serious than it is today. A lot of times today we get engaged because we're kind of hoping to put off the date. Like, okay, we made a bigger commitment, but we're still not married. We're going to wait a few months or a few years, maybe a decade, and finally walk down the aisle. And we kind of think of it, yes, we're engaged, but it's not really a new commitment. But back then, if you were engaged, it was a promise. It was a covenant. It was a part of the process. And you were, it was just as much a divorce to separate then as it was when you were married. But you weren't married yet. That came later. And I like to think of baptism as that kind of engagement. But the marriage happens at the end when Jesus comes back to get us or when we die and we meet him in the sky. That is the actual marriage. The engagement is when we got baptized and we said, okay, we are going to commit to Jesus. And so between the engagement and the marriage, we still have a chance to mess things up, don't we? But the beauty of that is we actually know that grace is going to cover it as we do. And so we no longer become the dark man. We now have days where the dark man messes with us but we are still the new creation that God made us to be. And that helps us there. You know, that's what I love about the Holy Spirit, right? He doesn't just correct us, but he also reminds us mm -hmm. yes. of who we are in, through Jesus, in Jesus, and, and with Jesus in us. Mm -hmm. um, and that we don't, we're not alone. We're not alone. We don't have to fight these daily battles, like we saw, sang in the song. 
-hmm. earlier. We don't have to fight these daily battles all by ourselves. That's right. We have a we have Him in us. Yes. And that helps us to to go through those daily struggles when the dark man comes to visit. Absolutely. So, that actually yeah. leads us into the next. That's right. Verses. So let's go to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter two. So the, go right. It's just a couple of pages because these letters are short. Okay. Ephesians chapter two. And again, we're still making the handprint. We're making the handprint by tracing our hands, by God helping us to trace our hands. And so these are. this is something that is true about all of us, although it may work out differently in our lives because we are not all the same. It is the same idea. We're tracing that handprint. Okay. So Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, if you're there, say amen. amen. So God saved you by his grace when you believed and you can't take credit for this it is a gift from God so if somebody gives you a gift you don't say oh that's very nice thank you um, how much do I owe you for that right? <laughs> so Alberto and Goldie actually set me up for this this is perfect yeah um, I came in today and Goldie handed me a, a bag and she goes here this is for you and I said what's this for she goes just because I wanted to give it to you and I'm like, okay. So she gave me this special gift. She knows I love turtles. And so I opened up the bag, and back in the back, you'll see, if you turn around, you'll see a little turtle popping out of a pink bag back there. <laughs> she gave me a turtle. And it was so sweet. There was no reason for it, right? But if she had handed that to me and I said, thank you, how much do I owe you for it? How would that make her feel? <laughs> be like okay that's a weird question this is a gift right a gift is given freely and it's given out of love and it's because somebody's thought of you yes right and by the same token if Goldie had said hey I got this for you by the way it's 1998 <laughs> <laughs> how would Carrie feel it wouldn't be a gift anymore would it no. it, would, it would be a pre uh, a preemptive purchase like I got this for you so that you could get it for yourself. Mm -hmm. So that's what it, that's when 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 Paul is talking and he says this is what it means for us not to go back to the law is that the gift of God, the grace of God is free. We don't have anything we owe him anymore. We don't have any debt to him, not even a debt of gratitude, but we should be extremely thankful, shouldn't we? There's no debt anymore, but there is life. And so we can know that that gift is free for us our job is to receive it and some of us are bad at receiving gifts some of us struggle and we immediately think oh if you got me a gift i've got to get you one too we've got to be even it's got to be fair fair is something you go to in the fall all right it is not god's economy god is always going to outgive you so why are you trying to keep up? And let's go on in verse 9. What does it say? It says, salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done. So none of us can boast about it. Grace is hard. To, it's hard to grasp. It's hard to fully yes. understand. Yes. Why would the God of the universe, who love, who, why would he love me so much that if I was the only one on this planet, he still would have sent Jesus to die for me so that I could be there with him. We say it every week, but I still have a hard time with it. Yes. Really, he cares that much for me that he would do that if I was the only human being on the planet? You know, because when we think of God, we think of him as this huge, gigantic, 
whatever, whether it be person or thing or spirit or however you visualize him, right? And so it's hard for us to fully grasp what grace means, that grace means that he loved me so much, I don't have to do anything to earn it. And that's because he isn't a thing or a power or he is a person. He is he is God, very God, and he is personal with us. And so that gift comes from his heart to ours. Right. Right. So then in verse 10, it says four. So I've told you all this stuff. I've told you that grace is a gift from God and salvation is not earned or it's not something that's rewarded for the good things you've done. Four, in verse 10, we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. And that long ago there, before the world even became, or daddy, before your mom and daddy even existed, beyond, 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 right? Long ago, we have all been created for such a time as this, and we are all here for this time. But I love how he says you're a masterpiece, right? That's perfect for the jar. Because we've talked about how just as those vessels that are sitting on your table are each individually made and crafted, so are we. We are his workmanship. He is the potter. We are the clay. And he's created us, our, our vessel and who we are and our identity. And he loves you that much. There's another place where, where Paul talks about that. There are some jars that are made for noble purposes and some less than noble purposes. But every jar has a purpose. And so it, what, what he's trying to say there is we shouldn't be getting our worth from whether we think our purpose is important enough. If God gave us that purpose, it's already important enough just because it came from him. And so what we need to recognize is that, yes, grace saves us. Yes, grace is what gets us to our salvation. But that favor, that blessing, that gift that God gives us also moves us to find our identity in Jesus, who we are in Jesus and what he's moving us to do for him. Every one of us has been called into service to the king. That's what it means for us to be citizens of the kingdom of God. It's for us to be called into service to the king. Now, what most of us think is that kind of service has to be done by, behind a pulpit. It has to be done by going to an, uh, a country where we don't know the language. It has to be done by going to an inner city where we can uh, reach people who don't understand or, or don't know, uh, you know the, the love that God has for them. But the truth is, God has called you and planted you where you are for your purpose for this time. In the Great Commission, God doesn't say, go therefore into all the world baptizing and teaching. What he says is, as you go into the world, and that changes everything. It doesn't matter where you go or when you go, if you run across a person, that's a divine appointment because that person is made in the image of God and we need to see it that way. It's a heavenly perspective on the people around us where we realize the calling isn't for us to do something amazing and special from a stage where someone can see it. The calling is to love the one in front of us. And if we are willing to do that, we are receiving uh, the gift of being a partner with God in that calling, that opportunity to serve the king. So that takes us to our, our next passage. Flip right to Philippians. Philippians. A couple pages. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 13. 
So we reiterated, there's God's love laws, God's law. We can't meet that. So he sends us Jesus, right? And then through Jesus, once we accept him, he comes inside of us and lives with us. And, help, and through that spirit, helps us identify who we are in Christ. And also has given us grace. Grace means I love you no matter what. You don't have to earn it. So I don't know about you all, but at the top of mine, at the top of the, of the passage here, beginning in verse 12 of Philippians chapter 2, it says, shine brightly for Christ. Do you see where we're going? We're telling you who Jesus is, yes. what he does for you, yes. how he lives in you and helps you, creates a new identity for you. And then what do we do with that identity? Do we just say, okay, great. Thanks, Jesus. Thanks, Jesus, for your grace and for the gift. Move on. No, he's saying shine brightly for Christ. And, and he doesn't say you have to shine brightly. What he says is you get to shine. That's right. Brightly. So let's look at it. <clears throat> Verse 12, excuse me. Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I am away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Now, does it say work hard to get the results of your salvation? Is that what it says? No, it says, work hard to show the results of your salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence, which means obey me. Okay, this reverence is obeying me that equals uh, that you're pleasing me. When you obey me, you please me. It's no different than father-child, parent-to-child, guardian-to-child. I have four children, and when they obey me, when they were living in the house... That pleased me. When they weren't obeying me, not so much. And there was discipline, right? This is what God is saying. He's like obeying God with deep reverence and with fear. And this fear is not a negative fear. Some of you have been raised in households with negative fear. It has been used as a tool to squish you, to keep you underfoot. Right. This is the fear that's the kind of fear that is what I call a respectful fear. For example, I was blessed enough to have a mama and a daddy growing up. Not everybody's lucky to have that. But I can tell you something right now. If my mama told me, you better wait till your daddy gets home. Go to your room. There's a healthy fear Ooh. there. <laughs> Uh-oh. Right? And I had a good daddy, just so you know. My daddy was not one that squished me underfoot. Okay, he wasn't perfect. He made mistakes. And later on, he told me, he said, baby girl, I shouldn't have done that when you were nine or 10. Right. But that's the difference between our earthly daddies and our heavenly father. Our heavenly father. Right. Right. And so but he was a good daddy. But I also had a a deep respect for him. My friends, when I was in high school, used to say, why don't you ever sneak out? I said, are you kidding me? My mama's got ears like a hawk, and my daddy will. Uh-uh. <laughs> no, I ain't doing it. It ain't worth it, okay? That was a, a respectful fear, and that's the type of fear that God is saying here. Obey me with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you. He's working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him, and that's through that Holy Spirit we were just talking about. Because we, I look at this and I say, God is working in me. Hmm. There's no way I'm ever going to meet his expectations. There's no way I'm ever going to make him fully happy because I mess up every day. 
That's why I always tell people I need Jesus in my life because mm -hmm. I am not perfect. All right. But what is this saying? He says he's giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Exactly. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit that helps me to do the things that I need to do to please you, Daddy. Thank you, Abba, for that. And if you're a, if you're a Bible nerd and uh, like me, and you just you know you just you're looking at those kinds of things and you're just processing it, and you've looked at some of the other translations. One of the ways it says this in the other translations is to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And that sounds like a truth only gospel. That sounds like a gospel that says you better behave. If you don't behave, daddy's going to get you. Right. And so that's why the New Living Translation interprets it this way. Even though it's not a word for word translation, what they're doing is they're helping you to see that the intention was never for this to be God saying, like, like Santa Claus, you better be good for goodness sake. Exactly. Right. What he's saying is that because God saved you, you should not have to have a leader standing over you in order for you to be able to, to live the way he's asking you to live. You should be able to recognize and tremble and shake at the fact that you now get to live a life you weren't going to get to live otherwise. And you get to work that out. What does it mean for me to live in a sanctified way where God is giving me all things pertaining to life and godliness? He has shown me how to be whole and have peace. And he has shown me how to live it in such a way that I naturally devote it to him. And I work that out. But listen, when it says that I work it out, it follows up with the fact that God is the one who is doing the work. It says you need to work out your salvation for God is working in you. In other words, our work is just like Jesus said. Jesus, they said, hey, what, Jesus, what does work look like? Jesus said, to work is to believe in the one God sent. So when we put our faith in, in Jesus, we're not just saying, I believe in him so that I can have fire insurance and I don't have to go to hell. What we're saying is I'm giving my allegiance to Jesus so that he can help me see what kind of life God always meant for me to live. And I can identify with him and I can be living like him. And as I begin to live like him, God partners with me and begins, begins doing a work inside of me that allows me then to live out my salvation in a way I couldn't have otherwise. So yes, he gives me grace so that I can be saved. He also gives me grace to identify with Jesus. And then he gives me grace to work out my salvation with fear and trembling in such a way that I don't fear him in that negative way. But I recognize he's my father and he is going to let me know if I've stepped out of line because he loves me. There's a difference between punishment and discipline. Punishment is I'm angry with you for what you've done. Discipline is let me teach you how to do this correctly, son. And God is saying in this moment, I am willing to walk alongside you in this and be your partner and give you the desire and the power to live the way you designed, you are designed to live. So when we feel like we don't want to obey God, because I don't know about you, but there's some days I'm like, mm -mm, Lord, mm -hmm. I don't want to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't ask me to talk to that person at work. <laughs> don't ask me to say something to the clerk at Walmart. I don't want to. That's hard. <laughs> I don't want to. That's hard. 
God says, do it anyway. Because I'm going to work through you and in you. I am in you and I'm going to work through you to talk to that person. And we're going to talk the next three weeks about identity. Our identity in Christ. And I just want to briefly say this. Just like with each parent and child situation as I was talking about earlier. 1 Corinthians 12, 6 says this best. God works in different ways. But in, it's the same God who does the work in all of us. I have four children. They all have the same daddy. But they're all different. They all have different personalities. They have different ways of doing things. Different colored pencils. You know, I mean, they just... That's a good way of putting it. They do, and they're all, they're all different. However, they are all going... They all know who their daddy is, and they all know how to obey him in, in such a way. And then also, too... All four of my children, we had to do different discipline with them. Yes. Not all of them we could discipline the same. So when people would ask us, well, what discipline do you use in your home? I'd say yes. <laughs> all of you. That's true, too. We've tried point. everything. At one point, we had a high schooler and a middle schooler, a oh, elementary college, and preschool. College, high school, middle school, elementary. Yeah, we did. We, we had all four levels. Yeah. People say, how do you discipline in your home? Yes. Because every child's different, and every child was at a different stage in, in their development. The same goes with our walk in Christ. Yeah. Right? And God's going to use you at the level you're at. And he's also going to use your personality and who you are and who he's, he is making you to be. Because here's the thing. Whether you're 99 years old or whether you are 6 years old, God is continually, continually making you into who you are to be. He never stops doing that. That's right. Okay. We were made in, in the image of God, and he is trying to return us to the image of God through Christ. And so God partners with us to transform us into Jesus. And I, I, that always used to scare me to say, because like, I'm not going to walk on water, and I'm not going to feed 5,000, and I'm not going to turn water into wine. Sometimes I'd like to, but, I, but I'm not able to do any of those things, right? Uh, but that's not what this means. What this means is I'm going to be more and more like the kind of Jesus who said to the woman caught in adultery, neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. I want to be the kind that looks up and sees Zacchaeus in the tree and says, Zacchaeus, you come down for I'm going to your house today. I want to be the kind of Jesus that looks at the people and has compassion on them. And oh, if I could just gather you like, a, like, like, like chicks under my wings to weep for those who have passed to laugh with those who are alive be like Jesus so we're going to look at one last passage it's Colossians 3 16 and 17 so go right again go right again just a couple of pages there's only four chapters in Colossians so chapter 3 verse 16 17 is probably on the last page in the in Colossians Starting with verse 16, let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Basically, in everything in his name, do it in the name of the Lord, as some versions say everything we do so once again this depends on what stage you're in right if you're if you're a new believer 
If you're a BB Christian, you're like, Carrie, I'm just trying to figure out who I am with this new identity. That's okay. Keep learning about who Jesus is. Keep studying it. Keep learning. Keep asking God to show you Hang around, hang around believers that are right. further along than you so that you can see what it looks like. That's right. And that's okay. If you've been a Christian a long time, right, what does this mean for you? It means to continue to, to sing the songs and hymns and spirituals. Be thankful to God with a thankful heart. And remember how it was when you first became a Christian. <laughs> yes, yes. Because I think sometimes if we've been a Christian a really long time, we forget. We forget. We get comfortable and we forget what it was like when we first came to Christ. And be thankful for that. So when we start using church phrases, I'm just saved and sanctified. <laughs> you know? Hey, do you know Jesus is the propitiation of your sins? The pro what? Exactly. <laughs> and th those kinds, sometimes we use language that people outside of the bubble don't understand. And when we get to where we've forgotten what it felt like, to not understand those words when we walk in the door. We can accidentally treat people, and, and what they hear is that we know more than they do, that we're better than they are, that we understand God better than they do. Instead of hearing, this is a place where I can come to learn. Now look at this, really look at this. The very first sentence says, let it fill your lives. And I have, if you notice, through all of the prayers and all of the conversations today, I've been talking about how Jesus meets you emotionally, spiritually, mentally, socially, physically, financially. This is what it means for the message to fill your lives is to recognize if there's an issue in your life, the answer is Jesus. We have to go to him and see what he says about it, how he acts around it, what he does in response to it, and then begin to live like him. And then when it says teach and counsel each other in all the wisdom that he gives, he's going to give you wisdom that he hasn't given me yet. And he's going to give me wisdom that he hasn't given you yet. And if only one of us gets to talk, then we're going to miss stuff. And so he says, you should be discipling each other. You shouldn't just be listening to someone and hoping that they have all the knowledge and wisdom that they need because the truth is God is so big and so vast that Pastor Steve and Pastor Kerry and, and Pastor Kerry and I, and we're going to be studying until we die because that's what God has called us to and we are still not going to know everything about no. God. And so if you rely on any one of us, and I'm just going to throw this out there, that's true for Charles Stanley and Andy Stanley. It's true for Craig Rochelle and Francis Chan. It's true for Bob Russell and anybody you can mention. Any what are your favorite preacher? Alistair Begg. I love him because he sounds Scottish. I just love listening to his voice. Steve Furtick. Steve Furtick. Uh, it doesn't matter who it is. Max Lucado. Yeah. Anybody. Um, they don't have all of the answer because they are human and they are trying to understand an infinite God. And so we need each other. We need to learn from each other. And then it says, sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. I'm going to put the worship wars to rest. Psalms are specifically songs that, are, that come out of the psalmody that is in Scripture. Hymns are traditional songs that we've been singing for a long time and everybody knows. These words, spiritual songs, literally mean songs that are made up on the spot. So if you're not for contemporary music, you're missing a piece of this scripture. 
If you're not for hymns, you are missing a piece of this scripture. If you are not for understanding that scripture should be a part of your worship, you are missing something from this scripture. No matter what you are singing, you should make room for. No matter what your favorite is, you should make room for the other two. Amen. So that God can speak to you through them. I heard Carrie Job one time in a, in a worship seminar. She said one time, she said, it, she said, you could sing, Mary had a little lamb. And as long as you believe that God made Mary and God made that lamb, you can worship with that song. <laughs> because it's not about who wrote it when or how or how it's composed. What the melody is. It's all about what comes from the heart. Whether it's three-part harmony. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's what worship is, is. Worship means being thankful. For the grace that he's given and what we just talked about and then i want to go back just real quick before we move on mm -hmm. just something in, in verse 16 about when it says in all its richness let the message about christ in all its richness some of the translations say dwell mm -hmm. yes instead of fill in all its riches it says dwell and to me that word dwell i like that word yeah. better yeah like, because like we can be filled yeah. like we can fill our jar and then turn right around and empty it back out, right? But if we fill our jar with the grace that God has given us, and then we dwell in it. We dwell in it. Yeah. We sit and yeah. we dwell in it. It calls to mind what you Christ know? said, abide in me. Yeah. Abide in me. Live inside of me. Get, get comfortable in there. Make that something. And then it says, and whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. And if we dwell in it, it's easier to do that. And if we dwell in it, that. that is so much easier. That's right. And I, and I will say, how you do anything is how you do everything. So if you do anything and you do it for the Lord, it's how you'll do everything. But when you start doing some things for the Lord and some things for yourself, you will confuse yourself. And before you know it, you'll be living for yourself more than you're living for Jesus. And it will be difficult for you to live out your salvation because you will have lost the fear and trembling, the awe of what he's done for you. So how you do anything should be for the Lord so that how you do everything is for the Lord. Right? So what we're saying is we help each other understand Jesus better. Through the process, we are, we, grace helps us identify with Jesus. We're able now to actually be able to work out our salvation. We now can uh, partner with God and let him transform us. And then we help each other understand Jesus better so that we can be more and more like him. Do you see how it works? That's it starts we, with him, yes. goes to me, and works through me and through you to each yeah. other. That's why we do the jar the way we do it. Yeah. That's why we do tables and chairs and not rows right. or pews. It's not that other churches are doing it wrong. But when God gave us the vision for the jar and said, we want you to plant a church in Ardmore, Oklahoma, of all places, he said, what I've given you, this, this is the vision we had. Why? Because we can stand up here for three hours and teach you all about who Jesus is. But at the end of the day, you've got to learn to dwell in it. Yes. No one can make you dell in it but right. you. Right. And two, we got to help each other understand what it means. There's a lot of stuff in here that I still don't understand <laughs> and probably never will, like Michael said, before I take my last breath. So it's important that we have each other. So the questions we ask you when it comes to conversation time is to help you to learn what was taught 
and then figure out how to dwell in it and help each other in it. That's right. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So this, is, this kind of wraps all of that up in a, a passage in Colossians chapter 1, verse 10. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. If you will do these things, if you will accept him and put your faith in him and give your allegiance to him and become a citizen of the kingdom of God, if you will allow grace not only to save you, but to set you apart and help you to understand that there is work that he has for you to do. If you will allow him to partner with you to transform you into Jesus again. And if you will get into a body of believers and help each other understand Jesus better and better. And if you do that, then our B today is you will be God's version of you. And God's version of you is better than your version of you. So find your identity in Jesus because that's the best version of you. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Jar with Pastors Michael and Carrie Rogers. If you're a believer in Christ looking for an opportunity to learn how to be a disciple maker, come see us at 702 H Street Northeast in Ardmore, Oklahoma. Our regular gatherings start on Sundays at 4 p.m., so you can still make it to see us today. Hope to see you soon. I am filled to be empty.